I'm Tim Z. Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. Today's guest is a longtime friend of mine. He's a brilliant poet and performer who I met in 1996 when I first began writing and living on the spoken word circuit in California. It was a beautiful period in time in which a wave of poetry and poets emerged, seeking community across the state and beyond. His name was Darren DeLeon, and I invited him to speak about that time, but also because he was a part of a very influential spoken word group from the Bay Area called Los Delicados. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary this year. I can't believe that. And I, and I thought that this would just be a great opportunity to reflect on what that whole scene and time period meant to me and to many writers who went on to do great things. I think of folks like playwright Paul Flores, journalist and poet Adolfo Guzman Lopez, poet Leticia Linares Hernandez, just a lot of great folks that came out of that time. So this interview is part one of what I'm calling the 90s wave of West Coast spoken word. Darren De Leon is an award-winning poet, performer, and educator based in San Bernardino, California, formerly the host of KPFA's Radio 2050 in Berkeley. He's currently working on a contextual translation of The Clash's Combat Rock, which he calls Cumbia Combat, and he's a third part of the dynamic 90s spoken word group Los Delicados. Founded in 1996, Los Delicados were based in San Francisco and consisted of three core members, Darren De Leon, Norman Celaya, and Paul Flores. Described as the last poets meets Perez Prado, they performed on stages across the country with their unique and explosive style of poetry. And I'm grateful to get a chance to speak with Darren De Leon, and hopefully we can get Paul Flores on the line as well. And that's coming up right now, right here on Words on a Wire. Stealing skis from the thrift town. I just want to slot them down. I just want to slot them down these inner city hills. Barrio Mission Park Presente! Brown neck bones and some home fries. Hilltop Malibu with a Redondo Latin Soul combo. Willie Bobo. Presente! Por San Lazaro y Babalúa Canto. Llegó la brujería con décimas en arco iris. Reina de la música Guajira, Selena González. Presente! Of pinups and silver screen sueños, Hollywood could never handle a true diosa. Maria Felix. Darren De Leon, welcome to Words on a Wire, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for allowing me to be here. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Are you kidding? It was, this has been like a, this has been an interview that has been in the making and in the hoping and in the dreaming for years. And, I, and I'm not even exaggerating that. Um, you know, you, you and I have a lot of history together. And I know that you've just been, I mean, you've been someone who's influential to my own writing and my own performance a long time ago. And just to have you seeing everything you're doing now, have you on the show, it's just a big honor. Well, thank you. you know, it's, it's an honor to be on here. I mean, it's just an honor to know you, dude. I mean, to, to have known you for so long and to see you develop into the person you are. Very yeah. proud, man. Very proud. Cool, brother. Well, listen, man, we, we, uh, you know, we just got done hearing, right, when I, right before I brought you in here, we just got done hearing a track off of the uh, Delicados uh, CD that you all cut back in the 90s. The track was called Presente, and that took me back. That track took me back, uh, so influential, the piece, the group. I want to talk to you about Los Delicados. Um, but first, how are you, man? How have you been? You know, I've been good. I, I, um, I've been probably the last 20 years since we kind of met. We've met probably a little bit more than 20 years ago. But in 25. that time, uh, 
20, yeah, 25, yeah, probably 25 years, more than that. But um, I have left the Bay Area, I relocated to uh, Brooklyn, where I helped start a San Francisco mission taqueria called Brooklyn Boro. And then I moved back into Southern California, where I currently live in San Bernardino. And uh, San Bernardino, California is back in my family's, uh, my family's house. In fact, I'm right now I'm speaking from my old bedroom. The closet of my old bedroom. I mean, yeah, that's where you're originally from, right? Because I, mm -hmm. when I met you, you were in San Francisco. I thought you were a San Francisco guy, but what did I know? But you're from San Bernardino. Yeah, San Bernardino is uh, it's it's a beautiful community, but uh, it's kind of limited for what uh, artistic endeavors that anyone would want to have. So you have to really go to the big city. And I was just a little. I knew LA back and forth, and and I figured, you know, let me just go somewhere that I don't really know, and that wound up being San Francisco, and I wound up being the very perfect choice for my situation. And you went to attend the school there, right? The writing program, is that right? Yeah, I, I went to um, I went to the master's program in creative writing over at San Francisco State, and I finished the program there. And that's actually where I met um, um, as in San Francisco. That's where I met uh, my other partners in, in Los Delicados. Uh, both yeah. Norman Zelaya and, and Paul Flores, who, right, Paul Flores, yeah. And we're going to try and get Paul Flores on the line here in a little bit. Uh, I know that he's right now in New York doing, working on some stuff around his play and things like that. I know he's, he's been doing a lot of good things too. And we'll talk with him in a little while too. Hopefully he can give us a call. But um, you know what? Why don't you kick us off with, uh, with one of your own poems right now, just so we can give the, the listeners a little, a little taste of what you do. Yeah, in fact, you know, I'm going to share a poem from this project that I'm currently involved with called Project 1521, which is a, a collective of uh, writers who are working with uh, two lead artists, uh, the visual artist Sandy Rodriguez, who's a painter, who's been uh, uh, creating her own type of codices, and also the lead uh, poet inside the program is Adolfo Guzman Lopez from the, the to little taco shop poet leader. So we've come together and we have these discussions and we have writing workshops and we're all writing about the 500 years since the fall of the Aztec empire. So what I did on my, on my behalf is that, you know, I, I, I wrote about um, the issues of asylum and immigration law uh, through what I was calling a translation of the British punk rock group, The Clash, their album, Combat Rock. Right. Even though it's written in English, what I was doing is putting more of a, a, a context, a, a, a current context with issues of asylum and immigration law. So this first one is from a track on, on their, their album called Car Jamming, but I changed it to Border Jamming. If you're familiar with the, that album, that song, you'll, you'll see a lot of, you'll hear the rhythm, the Joe Strummer rhythm in it. Tonight they stabbed all of my wounds and poured gasoline over my head. And who are you? Funky multinational caravan walking in the thousands. Bluetooth, cumbia, wireless headset. Entonces un chamaco de Oaxaca, sister raped in the belly of the Jeep. He cries in sleepless tears. Now he knows narco kindness, smack cocaine hepatitis as the bodies slashed head to toe. The machine gun in the closet, the nightmare of empty eyes, the safety of a crossing, blistered feet still he rise. In earthquakes and wasted rivers, Facebook spreads like bees. The Utah Jazz are crystal white, 
Salt Lake City chopped at the knees. Smuggling is what smugglers smuggle. Billionaires upon the hill can slide their nose across the mirror. Wearing red hats of hate and tortured ignorance. Once inside, the executive is frightened of diners and backfires. Nagarias fight for freedom. Vultures use the stack courts. Snakes cage up the babies in chain link prison forts. While inside Iletas, below where two countries meet, the seekers grab at plastic bags filled with food to eat. This lack of empathy and kindness is intentional too. Now, shaky ports of entries claim the thirst for the oil of Venezuela. The Twitter feed is abuzz with pictures of mi abuela, with pictures of mi abuela. I thought I saw Iris Chacon, compas y hermanas, Iris Chacon in a border jam. And now this is the movida that I gotta see undocumented and proud of it. Nice. Yeah. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and that was the voice of poet, uh, writer, and educator, and organizer, and activist, Darren De Leon, based in San Bernardino, who we're speaking with today about his work, but also about the poetry group by uh, the 90s, a uh, super poetry group, Los Delicados, who are from the Bay Area as well. 25 years, man, how did that happen? Well, it, it actually, the, the origins of it go directly with you too. Uh, we where we met I, I, yeah i think we met we met at the summer arts program at uh, cal state long beach oh, uh, part of the, the the cal state summer art program and yeah. in there um that was led by um juan felipe herrera a yeah. friend of both of ours and, and margarita luna robles and had a great rollout of uh different artists and stuff like that but the one thing that had happened was that in the process we started writing with our bodies Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that that and also um, a West African drum uh, sessions that we were doing daily, both yeah. of those together just kind of blew the lid off of my creativity that was all being bottled up. And as soon as I went through that, that program, I came back to San Francisco and I was like, oh, my God, I got to do something with this. I always wanted to perform poetry at a very high level and, and use the physicality of it and uh, the theatrical proportions of it, and also comedy and seriousness and political and all the kind of stuff. So um, I had met a, a, a writer who was from the mission in San Francisco, a guy, Norman Zelaya, and we were doing open mics together all the time. And he had great stories about baseball that mm -hmm. I loved. And so we had just this natural connection. So when I came back um, from that, that summer program, I wanted to do something. So he was like the first person that, that was close to me that I could collaborate with. So I grabbed him. I said, hey, man, we got to do something together. He, he's like, let's do a collective uh, writing thing. So we had one uh, uh, computer and we both sat down at the computer and we figured out what are we going to run? What are we going to write about? And he had the idea of like, let's write, you know, let's, let's write about our heroes. You know, and then we we thought of this form, two lines of, of a, a description, the actual incantation of the person's name or the thing that inspired us is our, that is our hero, and then the word presente, which is a Latin American tr tradition when evoking the spirits of people gone. But we wanted to evoke the spirits of everyone, of dead or alive. 
So um, we just initially just started banging keys right there on the spot. And we came up with about, I think about 60 or so of these presentes. And what we wanted to do was we want, we had this, this urgency of immediacy that we want to get our, our, our work out. So instead of like going through the traditional channels of trying to get them published and stuff like that, we just took our, our writings and we, the first read that we did was in Union Square, San Francisco on the day after uh, Thanksgiving, yeah. uh, Black, that Black Friday. And we just set up in the middle of this, you know, right across the street from Macy's, you know, this whole like capitalist park union thing. It's supposed to be about union, but it's really about the consumption. Yeah, and so we just started, yeah, and we just started spitting out our, our poems and, and just, you know, and just kind of loosened it up and like, yeah, we, you know, we got it done and we did it at San Francisco State. And next thing you know, we started doing it whenever there was a significant writer or a cool reading that was going on. If it started at seven o'clock, definitely at 6.30, we'd be out in front of the reading um, doing our shows before the show. So we started calling it the show before the show. Yeah. And, um, and we would do that. We were doing that a couple of times a week. So after the first like six months, we really, we had hundreds of, of performances already under our belt, <laughs> mostly around the presentes that we were writing. Right. And then at, at one point, um, Paul came in Paul to Florida. the writing, Paul Flores came into the writing program and we invited him into uh, the group because he had a, a background as a punk rock singer. And so, um, and he was also a tremendous writer also too. Yeah. And so um, we also had other members too. We had two female members that, that, were, that were members, but they went on to greater things. They went on to motherhood. They went on to greater yeah. things than that being a part of, of the, uh, the, drunken, the drunken troop of, of Los Delicados. We had Blanca uh, Rodriguez mm -hmm. and Magdalena Monterosa. And so those are Delis number three and four. And then Paul came in as five. So wow. we had the, you know, we had the, um, like I, I like to say, we had the, uh, the good and the bad, and we needed the ugly. And that's when Paul came in. <laughs> and, you know, um, yeah, that was, uh, it was just an incredible group to watch the, the energy, but the connection to me, it was like, I had not seen um, anything that looked like that. Uh, probably the closest thing at the time now this is like 1996-97 was that I could like that I could make sense of was like something like I, to me it was like what Run DMC was doing or even like the Beastie Boys like you guys were like a almost like a hip-hop trio but it was spoken word you know and you were like echoing each other and bouncing off of each other and playing off. it was just a fantastic and a show Norman Celaya is a wonderful performer you know I gotta I gotta give him his props he's an incredible performer dancer uh and just a, an all-around good guy. I had him on our show for his book, Orlando and Other Stories. Last year, he came on. He was a guest on our show, Words on the Wire. So you can check that out if you're fans of Norman as well. But um, Paul Flores, of course, doing a lot of wonderful plays now from coast to coast. He's a playwright and just doing some incredible things, too. You know, you all went on to, to continue do, doing this work. But there was... Um, you know, there was a moment I remember watching you all perform and thinking this is fantastic as spoken word, as poetry, as performance, performance art even. But then you guys started to really expand on that because then you went on to record an album, including um, the master percussionist Jimmy Biala from the Bay Area. And then it just blew up after that. I remember seeing you guys like do a, a whole play, like a two hour play or something. Like it was just, talk about that progression, how you guys evolved. Well, we, we, we continue to use the, the, the creative um, process that we had developed in the first presentes where we had just one computer. 
We had uh, three of us would sit inside the same room. We would take in the same type of food and um, other substances. And I can get into those ones, but we'd also uh, look at either a piece of literature or a film that was had some type of common thread to it, mm -hmm. uh, to, to the idea or to the, the topic that we wanted to write about. And then we would just sit there and we'd start banging keys. And whenever one person stopped, another person would have to jump in. And we we made sure that we understood that we didn't we're not married to our words or our lines because someone can easily jump right into the middle of my line and expand it and you know so just don't get you know caught up in that it's just like this is an explosion of creativity and so um, with the elements of Afro-Cuban drumming, uh, hip hop and 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 dancing and also uh, just kind of like a, a, a altered spoken word type of uh, almost punk rock type of singing and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, Run DMC is really, really close as, as the Beastie Boys yeah. uh, too. But, and the creative process is is one piece made out of three different voices. And since I was a Chicano for San Bernardino and Norman was, you know, Nagoya for, for San Francisco and Paul was a Mexican Cuban from San Diego, right. we had different perspectives, historical perspectives that, that we could incorporate into our into our lyrics. Different perspectives, different writing styles, different delivery styles, uh, you know, and that's really what made it dynamic. But there were also, and it was also a nod to even what Gil Scott Heron was doing back then, you know. Last Poets, yes. Yeah, there were groups like that I remember listening to also like on, I wanna say CDs, uh, you know. However, I don't remember at back in the 90s how I was finding this. I know I was working for a music store, so I was able to find like at the time, like I was trying to dig into the crates and look for some, poetry groups that were coming out. All that was brand new to me. I mean, you know, I was I was a kid from Visalia, California, you know, where Main Street was called Main Street, right? <laughs> and like, it, right. You know, literally in the middle of the fields is where I grew up. So that stuff was so far, I wasn't in any city, you know, but meeting you in Long Beach and, and the rest of the guys there and going, I started to go to San Francisco quite a bit, hang out with you all just so I could get poetry. But to me, those were some of the you know, early influences that later on, I had not, like I said, I was not even exposed to those earlier cats until I had heard of those Delicados and watched you guys. Then I'll, it sort of, I backtracked a little bit and then did my homework and was like, wow, there's a long lineage of, of this, you know, of these groups that were, Mary Baraka, like stuff he was doing. I mean, yeah. Did, did any of those influence you guys early on? Oh, of, of course, of course. Especially for me personally, Mary Baraka. Um, just a, like a humongous fan, also the last poets and and, and all the different groups that, that, you know, the welfare poets and taco shop poets and everyone who was kind of doing this collective stuff. But at a certain point, we were, we would get asked to do like a 20 minute set at some type of rally or an event and stuff like that. And that was cool. So we could go there and we could just spit out one piece, do our present thing, spit one piece, do a present thing, we're out. So we started um, getting a, a thirst more for the, the stage. And so we took that process a little bit further, kind of answering the question you'd asked before, was that we had these group pieces that we had written that were somewhere between eight to 10 minutes long. And we decided that let's, you know, we got this process down, let's start writing more poems around this kind of like these, these, this arc that we're creating. And so at a certain point, being fans of Shakespeare that we were, because Shakespeare has these plays, but he, had, he builds poetry and like sonnets inside the play. We took a little bit opposite uh, approach. We said, you know what, let's, let's write these poems and let's build a play from these poems. Right. And that's where we came out with uh, Why Yvette is by the Pound, which is a, um, 
it was a, at that time, it was a futuristic look at a time where culture gets outlawed and the wearing of guayabetas becomes outlawed. Right. And so uh, we, as delicados, we turn into smugglers and we go down to Mexico and we get guayabetas and we bring them back up into the United States. And that's what the premise of the play is. So everything inside there kind of deals with the cultural wars that were going on, uh, gentrification that was going on. And, uh, and we addressed all those issues. In fact, like I, I, I like to say is that I think we had the um, voice of the 2YK San Francisco mission at that point. Yeah. In the middle of gentrification. That's right. Because I remember at the time, this was 1999, I think is when I saw you guys do that play. And you because know, I was living in San Francisco at the time working with Juan Alicia then. And, uh, you know, I remember you guys doing that play. And I was like, I mean, it was performance art, probably the closest thing at the time, like I said, aside from those hip hop groups I had known about, maybe the other closest thing that I could relate it to is what Guillermo Gomez Peña was doing, you know, as sort of really multimedia performance art, turning the space into art, not just sort of breaking through the fourth wall, you know, all of that. You guys were, you guys were performing in that way. You know, you were performing, doing a performance that, that, that staged very well, and also you could do it in the middle of a street and, you know, in the middle of apart and still worked, you know, fantastically and incorporated everybody around them. Um, there were other 90s groups I want to talk about too. And in fact, I was even thinking as I was preparing for this interview, I thought maybe I should dedicate my fall season to doing like ref a reflection on 90s spoken word groups. I think that's something I'm thinking about right now because a lot of groups came to mind that were for me pretty influential, you know, Grito Serpentino, you know, Mark Pinate, what he was doing in San Jose, in La Quech, that all-female group, what they were doing in Los Angeles, man, was powerful stuff. Taco Shop Poets in San Diego, you mentioned the Welfare Poets, uh, just a lot of groups that, like that in the 90s that to me, I was, again, I was driving up and down Highway 99 uh, accessing wherever I could go to see these groups. I was going to LA to hang out with you guys, I go to San Francisco, I mean, hang out. I was like everywhere, you know, but, but it wasn't happening in the San Joaquin Valley <laughs> where I was at. So I had to go there, but there are so many groups like that that started to blow up during that Y2K era. I mean, I don't know, what do you, how do you think how, that that came about? How did that sort of just all happen around that same time? What do you think? Well, I, I think that uh, just as, you know, as, as Rasa, that we, we live in the collective. When we think of things, we always think of in the collective, in the community, in, in the family, and mi otro yo. You know, we're always, it's always about more than just us. So when we felt that you know this creative element that was coming along it's it's natural to kind of like oh you could do it yourself yeah but it's actually becomes more uh, fruitful and more um expansive exclusive and satisfying to have other folks go on with you just imagine if you just had one beastie boy and that he was just <laughs> called beastie boy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but you, you add these other these other uh personalities and, and traditions and writings into and voices and perspectives and you get something much more richer with much more of a texture on it and so it just I think it the, it was just ripe for that for that moment I think that as these communities were changing due to gentrification I think there was this issue of survival and a lot of people were just like I can't survive by one right. I have to survive in a group people have to help me out so I know that that for me that 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 helped a lot as far as understanding that I had to create Los Delicados, and I think for some of the other groups too, some the same. Right, right. And you know, speaking about uh, you know community and more and bringing in more people and more voices, I think we got Paul Flores here on the line. Paul, how you doing? Can you hear us? 
What's up? What's up? I'm in New York City. How are you guys doing? Hey, man. It's good, it's good to see your face. Good to uh, hear your voice. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you're doing something that I didn't know about, Tim. Damn. <laughs> but now you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, we we actually are, we're actually on the way out of this interview right now, but I'm glad you chimed in. You know, we're just putting a little cap here on Los Delicados and the history of 90 spoken word groups. And Darren was just saying how all that was coming together because we were all seeking community at the time. What do you think about that? I remember when we were um, uh, traveling up and down the state, and it was always cool to see the different um, artists follow each other from one region to the next because of that desire to want to be around other folks like us. Like, for instance, the people from Sacramento would come to San Francisco to see shows, and we would go out to Sacramento or Santa Cruz, right. and the people from Modesto would come, and the people from Fresno um, would come out to Berkeley, and we would, we would do all this exchange, the, and we just kind of built this, like, regional network, you know, and, and I think it was out of a desire for folks to want to learn from each other to see what you were doing in Fresno. Was, was, it, was it the same as what we were doing in, in San Jose? And I, and I always liked that. I, I liked building a big old comunidad all around the, the state, you know? And right. we stuck together for a good, like, you know, five years. Yeah. It, was, it was tight. Yeah, yeah. And it, was, and it felt, too, like every region had its own distinct voice and style and, and interests, right? Everybody had their own interests. What was going on in San Diego was different than what was happening in Fresno versus what was happening in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I remember that, you know, some, some groups musically were influenced differently. And that was like, you know, the taco shops were very like jazz. And, and then Grito was very like, you know, Chicano rock. Right. And Delis, Delicados were more like Cuban, you know, and, and people had all the different influences of what their scene was like, you know? Right. I, I, I kind of dug that. Like, if, if you listen to the poets that would like talk about what was happening in San Jose, it was, you know, police harassment of Chicanos, right? And then you listen to, to folks talk about the, the Central Valley and what, what they were facing in the Central Valley in their poems, right? And I thought that was dope. Like we could, we could learn from each other. And then we could also say that we knew people from those regions that could help inform us. And then we could create collaborations. And then you do cross regional works together. And so we ended up working with the Rudos, yep. collaborating with them, um, being out in Reno. Uh, wow. Pat Payne came up with, with Taco Shop and then she joined Delicados. Yeah. So we, had, we, we worked with you so many times out in Big Fresnales and uh, we, got, we got bare feet out there in the park, you know, <laughs> doing the shows with no shoes on outside. That was, that was definitely a Tim move too, like taking your, you know, that's, that's like get, get your shoes off. You and Darren always had to be close to the earth because it was hot where you were from, hot. Yeah. Yep. You know? Um, but listen, guys, we're, we're actually got to close. We don't, we're running out of time here, but I want to ask you, because I know this is the 25th anniversary of Los Delicados, and you all are planning something big towards the end of this year. Can you give us a little tease about what that's going to be about, what you're looking to do there? I was Darren. I think Darren wanted to, to move forward on a 25th anniversary uh, show or uh, presentation, and so we just started kind of like throwing it out there. What, what could we do? And then um, what we're basically going to do is turn the 25th anniversary into a floricanto. We're going to invite groups from all over the state to perform with us. Hopefully Tim, Fern hopefully Tim Hernandez comes through. Tim you know Eckes. I'll come through. You know I'll come through. 
<laughs> Juan Felipe, hopefully. Margarita Luna Robles. We've already got a bunch of people that agreed to, to present. So look for that in, in November. Sounds good. We'll do that. I know you're busy out there, Paul, in New York City, you know, doing big things. So I appreciate you taking the time to, to jump in on the line with us. All right. All right, brothers. All right, Darren. Thanks for so much for having for you know coming on the show, man. And um, you know, we're gonna definitely uh, let the I want to let the listeners know that we're gonna be playing that track presente, the full track on our podcast on Apple iTunes or on Spotify. Um, so you can catch that off of the album. What's the album called? It's called Word Discardiga, and it's on Kalaka Press, which is now defunct. But you can also find um, you can find us on the Apple Tunes and Spotify and. Uh, Delicados. Amazon. Yeah, I'm just Los Delicados. You're going to find a group from Mexico, but that's not us. You look for the ones that look like crazy hippies from San Francisco. That's us. Right on. Thank you so much, Darren, for being on the show, man. And we'll, uh, we'll be in touch, all right? Thank you. Good luck with everything. And that wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. I'd like to thank our special guests today, Darren De Leon and Paul Flores, both of the 90s spoken word supergroup Los Delicados. also want to say thank you to our producer, Sam Cassiano, and our podcast producer, Claudia Flores. You can check out our podcast on Apple iTunes and on Spotify. And if you click on this episode, you'll get to hear the full track of Los Delicados doing Presente. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here on Words on a Wire, KTEP 88.5 FM.